Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And recording. Just do it. Pages, is it in there? Grace, fuck it, fuck it, fuck, fuck. <laughs> found it, found it. Don't even worry about it. Oh, Just found it. Oh, what? I found it. Welcome to um, episode four. No, episode How is it five. Today? Episode five. No, what? Oh, episode five. Holy guacamole. Holy moly guacamole, said the guy from maths that's got the bad teeth. Oh, I raised my hand. Oh, she's got a question. Evie has something to say. <laughs> well, this, <laughs> this is great. I can just raise that whenever you're talking. Neutral. Yeah. Just yeah. instead of interrupting me, you can just be like, oh, oh, Evie's raised her hand. Yes. She's got something to say. So so welcome to Chick Street, Episode 5, Season 2. Season 2. I mean, two. look at us making a podcast. Mm, why wouldn't you? What else is there to do these days? What else is there to do? Um, if you're not making one, you should be listening to one, and if you're listening to one, make it this one. That was so beautifully and eloquently said. I know. Thank you. I had a lady uh, this morning at McDonald's. Yes, I had McDonald's for breakfast this morning. Um, her and her daughter were like, as we were leaving, said, oh, I just want to say how much we miss you. And I went, oh, thank you. And then they, you know, have a chat, have a chat. They're so sweet and so lovely. Um, and the mum, she, as well, I said, well, thank you. And, you know, we better go. I've got to go and catch a flight. And... <laughs> She grabbed me by the arm. She goes, you're very beautiful. I went, oh, thank you. And she goes, no, you are. You are. Believe me. And I went, I do. I know. <laughs> thank you. You don't I need laughed. to tell me twice. I laughed like I was joking. But I wasn't joking. I know. We all should know that we're beautiful. Isn't it funny, an older generation that that is still in the mindset where you can't take a compliment or yes. – you know, you just couldn't possibly believe in your own beauty. You know, you don't, I don't need convincing, darling. I've got a mirror. Darling. <laughs> darling. 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 If you don't like it, don't look, but I like it. So I look a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and that's um, how it should be in life, I think. Yeah, that's right. So why did you have McDonald's today? Oh, to because tell us about your adventure. I've been in um the central coast of the New South Wales this week mm -hmm. visiting mm -hmm. my family because you know it is actually the first time I got home. Like it's been well over a year as it has been mm -hmm. for so many others and still is for so many others. Yeah. You know, they still haven't got home to see their families. Well, I finally got home to see mine and we had to do family affairs. My father's got dementia, so my brother and I had to become powers of attorney. We had to become enduring guardians. Oh. And it's very funny because my dad has the dementia mm. and it's it's fine. Like you wouldn't know it unless you just you talk to him for more than – 10 minutes and then the same conversation starts again. Yeah, yeah. And then another 10 minutes later it starts again. So it seems really, really good and he, he is good if you don't mind repeating. 
your conversations over. He's really good. Yeah. But um, he's got a great sense of humour. Always has, as you know. He is a funny chap. But my favourite part of all of this, because, you know, everyone that gets dementia, they know they have it. They know mm-hmm. before anyone else that, you know, they're the ones who are hiding the notes and the reminders and, the, you know, putting things in places exactly the same way so that they can hide that their memory is going. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone goes a different way. Well, my dad's, you know, retained his brilliant sense of humour. <laughs> so when I got on the way, on the way to the airport, I had Angie here last week, so we actually coordinated our flights. She's going back to Sydney. I was going to Newcastle, so she came to the airport with me. So I rang Dad because he'd been ringing me the day Mm. before, but we'd been so busy I thought I'll call him tomorrow morning because I'm going to see him tomorrow afternoon. Like what is so urgent that he needs to call me? So I finally called him back. He goes, Possum, I've – been think you're never gonna believe it but I've been thinking about you did you feel that and I'm like yeah all the missed calls gave me an indication he goes I didn't call you I haven't called you and I went okay he goes what are you doing and I went I'm in the car and he goes where are you going I said to the airport he goes oh where are you going and I went going to to see you and he goes are you (laughs) He goes, you've already told me this, haven't you? And I went, yeah. And I'm looking at Angie because she can hear it. It's on the speaker. Yeah. (laughs) And I said, Dad, we've got to go to the lawyer this afternoon. He goes, the lawyer? What for? And I went, again, we have to go and sign these papers. You've got to sign over your life to us and your money and everything. I said, if anything happens to you, you know. So I've repeated that many, many times. So this was just another time. But this time... Dad decided to say, so it's this afternoon. And I went, yeah, yeah. Uh, He goes, well, you'll probably have to remind me again. I said, I know and I will. He goes, you know what I'm going to do? And I went, what? He goes, when we get there, I'm going to sit in the office and I'm going to go, what? I don't know these people. I don't know why. (laughs) Can you imagine him saying it? Yes. Yes. Oh, I loved. I loved, and Angie. Who was are these yourself. people anyway? I know why I'm here. Don't yes. let. Don't believe anything. And I went. Well, I hope our lawyer has a very good sense of humour, George. And did because... he say it? No, he didn't. Did he oh, we it? forgot. <laughs> <laughs> he totally forgot, oh, which is a, such cool. a shame because I would have really liked to see our serious lawyer try to um. Oh, is this, is this, do I need to call someone face? <laughs> like, oh, is this a joke? Yeah. So the week was spent um, sorting his affairs out, you know, Centrelink, <laughs> Medicare, all of yeah, that stuff, yeah. making sure that yeah. it's all comes to me now and all the decisions yeah. um, can be made. I just watched that I Care A Lot with Rosamund Pike, which is on Amazon oh, Prime. Started. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I need to become his. We need to sort this out because before this awful woman comes along and takes over and sells off all of his stuff, and we've got no chance of, you know, the courts. And I mean, it could never happen. But I wonder, does it? Does it happen? Is that based on something of a true story? I don't. Maybe I've never actually heard of it, but it, it's not. It can't be that far fetched. The movie's far fetched, but the actual plot. Not the plot, no. the um, the theme couldn't be. 
Yeah, no, I think it would happen. Absolutely, that would happen. Especially to old people who don't have family. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm, So um, that was lovely. So this morning my beautiful nephew who came to pick me up from the airport when I arrived dropped me off today to the airport, this Mm -hmm. time with his girlfriend in tow who is Mm -hmm. just divine. They're both just divine humans. And I said to him last night, do you want to come and pick me up a bit earlier and we'll go and have a fancy breakfast? And he goes, oh, like, yeah, but, you know, it's it's Newcastle. and It's it's not even Newcastle where Newcastle Airport is. And I went, at Macca's is what I mean. He goes, oh, and his eyes lit up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like we can have some pancakes with whipped butter. Hot cakes, thank you very much. Oh, sorry. Hot cakes with maple syrup. Anyway, it was lovely. We 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 ate in. We made our own burgers with stacked things on it. Uh, you know, when you're with the kids, you watch what the kids do, and you just go, "Oh, that's not a bad idea." Put a hash so brown, a hash brown on there on their mm. sausage McMuffin. Yeah, sausage McMuffin with a hash brown. I mean, I'm sure you can buy that, but you know, you get your meal and your free hash brown. So yeah, yeah, just yeah, saved nice. yourself five cents there. Amazing. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Well, welcome home. Thanks. You literally just walked in the door, didn't you? Poppet? I literally did. The girls were so happy to see me, which was oh, so lovely. Uh, Sissy's just passed out from it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bev is also passed out from it. It was it was a very exciting reuniting, oh. reunion as they call it. Now, how's your week? You went out last night to see. The Cat Empire. Cat Empire. How long have oh they been goodness. around? 20 years. Wow. Yeah, it was. It's long this our friendship. This year is their 20-year anniversary and I remember seeing them in, you know, their first year and, God, it was good. It was so, you know, I felt, I felt really shit all week and we'll get into that in a minute, but I just love, like I just forgot how good live music is. Yeah. The energy of live music and and seeing that many people in joy was just it brought tears to my eyes. Like I just oh. forgot about that. Yeah. You know, it was so good. It's emotive. It was isn't a, it? Oh, it was at the the um, Sydney, Sydney Meyer Music Bowl. Sydney Meyer, which I'd never Sydney Meyer Music it Bowl, which I've never been to before. Do you know the really yeah, weird thing about Sydney Meyer Music Bowl? The last time I was there, yeah. something funny that you just said that happened to me there. I went to see the carols by candlelight. Yep. And mm-hmm. when they, everyone gets given those um, candles, you know, but they're just yep. the fake ones. And so as yep. the sun goes down, that's when they all kind of come up. And then the orchestra started and then the choir started and, you know, it's this huge elaborate affair and I looked around me and there was just candle lights everywhere, the music mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the singing, and I just burst into tears. Yeah, I was so overwhelmed was, with, yes. with the beauty of it all. Yeah, yeah. And I think also because we haven't seen mm. live music for over a year. yeah. I haven't been in a in an arena with that many people, humans, mm-hmm. you know, and it was so well done. Like the everyone had their own little pod that was on a, um, you know, on a little deck of scaffolding. And isn't that a good idea for me? It was brilliant because it was just everything was organized. Everyone was in rows. Everyone had their place. No one could 
bump into you. Like it was just enough people in the venue that there were no lines for anything. Like it was just. That's good. It and was what just about perfect. Were easy to get. Drink, no, yep, you can walk straight up to the bar because, and you can also bring in your own picnic, um, oh, that's which we didn't like do, that. but um, God, it was Real good. And, you know, they are such a fun band. Yes. Must have been and lovely for them to perform again. So good, so, so good. And then, and one of the, the one of the members was leaving, the bass player, so it was very special night for them as well. Mm. But they went away and came back, you know, did their encore and came back. And I and I was saying, because I haven't seen them for so long, I was saying, oh, I really want them to do hello, hello, did it, did it, oh, hello, hello, hello. Remember that song? So, yeah, it was, the, it was the third last song they played and then the next two were old songs as well that I had recognised. And it was just so much fun, so oh, much good. fun. I had, the so best, I had the best night. But um, I just, I wanted to go on a bit of a rant, if if I can. Please, you have the floor. Before we start, because this week I was ghosted. Oh, ghosting is a, is a new term, old, old thing. Now you, yeah, and you know about this because we've spoken, but I just thought, I wanted to, because I listened to, there's a podcast I love called um, In Your Feelings and it's by a girl who writes for Thought Catalogue and she has this beautiful podcast and it's, you listen to her and it's like you're, it's like she's your best friend and she's giving you a pep talk. And it just so happened she did an episode on ghosting this week and I came across it and I thought, wow, I really needed to hear that. So I guarantee you that there is probably someone listening who has been ghosted or is currently going through the process of being ghosted because it's so fucking common these days. Mm. You know, I was kind of having a good talking to myself and talking to myself like I was talking to a friend and like how I would talk to you about, you know, if something like that might happen to you. And it's very easy to fall into the like, it's me, what have I done? I'm not insert something enough, you know, good enough, pretty enough, funny enough, whatever. So there's a couple of things. So first of all, I just want to say that ghosting isn't fair and it's fucking cruel. It's cruel, it's disrespectful, and regardless of the the situation and what happens and however long you might have been seeing someone and maybe they weren't the right person for you, it fucking sucks. Mm -hmm. And I think the worst thing you can do is gaslight yourself yourself and tell yourself that you know it's nothing because it is something and it's and it's it's an awful thing and to be left with you know when you when you have hope about a situation and then you're left with absolutely no hope and you're left to deal with all of that on your own you take all that on yourself it's really uncomfortable and it's really hard so that was my first of all second of all the reason that it's so cruel is because because the other person hasn't given you a reason for why they've decided to just block you, you have to invent the reason for it. And 99.9% of the time, it's going to be negative. It'll it'll be a negative reason, you know, I'm not something enough. So, so they, they couldn't even bear to hang around because of me. But the thing to remember is that it's a them thing. So 
if someone chooses, and this is what um, Bianca says in her podcast, if someone chooses to pacify themselves over not being able to be grown up enough to face a difficult conversation, then that is their issue. If they have chosen to walk away and to leave another person in the dark, that's 100% their thing. It's 100% their issue. And finally, I just want to say that, you know, and I'm talking to and I'm I'm talking to myself as if I'm talking to me, but I'm also talking to anyone who's going through this. How lucky is it that, you know, I was able to see this person's true colors and saved me from a connection with someone who still needs to work on how they treat other people's hearts. Because if that's how that person's going to react and act with another person's heart, then I don't want that person in my life at all. So thank you for ghosting me because you filtered out the crap and that's all I'll say. Well said. Well said. Thank you. I'm so sorry that happened to you. And, you know, yeah, it's in hindsight a blessing. Everything is. But it sucks at the time and it sucks. It actually sucks forever. It just sucks. Yes. There's a part of it that will always suck and a part of it that will always be thank you for showing me your true colours, you know. So swings and roundabouts but it's pain regardless and pain is not fun. It's necessary but it is not fun and it is not not a good feeling. Um, But I'm really glad that he showed you his true colours as fast as he did um, because narcissists can charm for a very long time before they do and by then you've really developed uh, you know connections mm. that are very hard to break if you know if anyone listening is going through it we see you it yeah. sucks and yeah. we're sorry yeah and it makes me feel better being able to yeah you know, I don't know give some share some words around yes what it is because it's yeah. It's shit, basically. It really is. Anyhow. It really is. Um, well said. Thank you. And I just did what I wanted to give a little shout out for a podcast I've been listening to, which I'm obsessed with at the moment. It's called Sentimental Garbage. I told you about this the other day. It's Sentimental Garbage. Yeah, that should be the song. Caroline O'Donoghue is an author. She has this podcast called Sentimental Garbage. She does basically looks at chick lit uh and gets a guest on and they talk about um a, a book literature, literature. chick chick literature chick she's started a little mini mini series with her friend dolly alderton mm. from the high low who i also love mm. and they do a deep dive into sex in the city mm. um, and they say they do a deep dive into sex in the city for the great american novel that it truly is and they basically discuss every season and they look at it through a lens of of today, like twenty, you know, twenty twenty one. And they pretend that they're like you know A grade English students who are very um, literary. Yeah. But it is fascinating to dissect 
once you've watched the whole series of Sex and the City and you go back and you you actually dissect scenes and you get into mm. characters and, you know, it's fascinating. It's such a mm. it's such a good way to appreciate Sex and the City again. They discuss, obviously, the Big and Carrie relationship and compare it to, you know, that it's like an addiction. You know, she's constantly waiting for her next fix and in between you're completely miserable, you know, until you get that oh, next yeah. fix again. So they rewatch every season and then they discuss it and, you know, they talk about who their favourite man of the season is, who their favourite, you know, the favourite outfit of the season, and then they sort of pick a scene and really dissect the scene and how that sort of sets up the characters. But it is it is so, so good and it's just such a good way to appreciate Sex and the City again. Yeah, You know? I have to get a few girls onto it because, you know, like you and I, I know so many girls who are just know that show inside, backwards, forwards, yes. all of it, upside yes. down. Yes. Inside, outside. You know, we've we've picked it apart ourselves. So mm-hmm. it would be such an interesting listen to hear it being done by chick lits, lit 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 chicks. Chicks from <laughs> two, well, two authors who understand authors. screenwriting and yes. character development, and you know they talk about the the very first scene of of Carrie when Big asks her out for a drink or something, you know, and she's and then she doesn't know how, what to make of it. I think it's like the fourth episode in season one. She doesn't know what to make of it, and she she makes Miranda listen to her message, the message on the yeah. answering machine. Yeah. And Miranda kind of rolls her eyes and sort of indulges her and it's just, you know, they say it kind of that sets up Miranda and Carrie's relationship for the rest of the series because it's all about, always all about Carrie and her, you know, problems. Paranoia. Yeah. Paranoia and the questioning and the, you know, she's she's a bit OCD about it and Miranda is always there to try and, you know, give her some sort of reason. And, you know, there's a lot of this Carrie bashing. Everyone kind of, you know, has an opinion on Carrie and, you know, there's a lot of women who don't like Carrie, but even the characters don't like Carrie. (laughs) What? I know. They don't. Even Human garbage as Clementine calls her. Yeah. I mean, you know, Miranda just tells her off all the time, you know, like Carrie stop being so self-centered. Stop talking about, I can't hear about this anymore. Like shut the fuck up. Yes. But I love that. I love it all. I love, I love. You need I love that. Carrie. You definitely. You know, uh, yeah, love them all. Anyway, sentimental yeah. garbage, and then mm. the season or the series of that is called uh, Sentimental in the City. But look it up because it's you. If you're a fan of Sex in the City, have a listen. All right, good recommend. I'm introducing a new segment. Sa- Sammy doesn't so, know because he's not here today. Anything, so we can do anything we want. Whatever we like. And there's Sammy. Sammy doesn't know. So surprise, Sammy. When so you we're listen. introducing a new segment. And what's it called? It's called Word Up. Word sing Up. It. Well, we can get people to sing that. Everybody say, when you hear that cue, you got to get it on the way. Now put Word your up. hands in the air. Yeah, like you just don't care. Beautiful. This is actually how you and I started talking about doing a podcast like this because we used to, you used to always tell me about phrases and words and go, do you know where that phrase blah, blah, blah came from? And I'd be like, no, and then you would tell me. And we've done that forever. So I thought, why don't we introduce that as a segment? 
And then okay. we can tell, I can tell you and you can tell me where mm. a saying has come from. Okay. Have you got one? I do. I do. And it's, um, the saying is bite the bullet. Bite the bullet. That's a now, good one. I don't know where that comes have from. Have a guess. Have a guess. Well, bite the bullet means to just go ahead and do something. You just, mm-hmm. you don't want to do it, feel the fear and do it anyway. So I'm thinking to bite the bullet hmm, means that when the bullet is in a wound and you can't get it out and it really, really hurts, but you've got to get it out, you've got to bite it to pull it out with your teeth. <laughs> so a doctor has pulled it out with their teeth. No, I'm thinking cowboys out in the desert, out in the country. Oh, right. Yeah. When they're yeah. like, oh, God dang it, I got shot by my own gun again, Cletus. Oh, God dang. <laughs> and Cletus goes, God dang it, Clyde, am I going to have to bite that bullet out again? And Cletus goes, mm-hmm, yeah, y'all. He goes, yeah, okay. Are. He goes, oh, but I don't want you to. He goes, I know you don't want me to, Cletus, but you know what? If I don't, you was going to die of lead poisoning. So Clyde goes, go on, Dan. I don't want you to, but God, bite the bullet. Go on. <laughs> go on, Dan. That is a brilliant guess. And is it right? It is, in fact, not oh, true. Shame. Not right. There's a bit of controversy around this because there's actually two different meanings that um, oh. I found. Oh. So, okay, so the meaning, yes, you're right. The meaning of bite the bullet is to decide to do something difficult or unpleasant that one has been putting off or hesitating over. So the origin, in fact, is during battles in the wartime, there was no time to administer anesthesia. So while performing surgeries, patients were made to bite down on bullets to distract themselves from the pain. Hence, they had to bite the bullet. Well, it's not going to go off. What if they bit down on it so hard that it exploded and killed someone, including the person biting on it? Well, I don't That's know much about That's a silly thing to do, biting bullets. Bullets and guns, but I, mean, I don't know how they believe, work. I, I honestly don't understand how people have keep have kept living, procreating, because the, we have done the dumbest things in the yes. past. Biting bullets, I reckon, would be one of them. Now, and the reason they the reason they think this is because they found a lot of bullets with teeth marks on them. So oh. they thought, well... Near medical people have been biting them. But the other theory is that uh, they were dehydrated, so they used to chew on them to keep saliva glands active. So that's another yeah. reason as well. So there you go, if bite you, the bullet. If you've heard another or your own your own theory, let us know. Now, I actually think that my theory may be correct. And until okay. it's proven, disproven, I'm going to go with that one. Love it. So if anyone has a better theory than mine, please bring it on because I would love to hear it. Bring it on. Word up. Thank you. That was a great word for the beginning of a new segment, Word Up, brought to you by words. (laughs) Brought to you by etymology, the study of words and phrases. Is it? Yeah. Etymologists. I didn't know, but I've been an etymologist for quite the while. 
Hey, if you're enjoying this episode, which we know you probably are, let's face it, um, can you do us a favour and subscribe? Mm. Review us? Mm. What else, Evie? Give us five stars. Oh, five stars, please. Thank you. Follow us on the Instagrams as well because um, when we remember, we do put updates there. We do. Chick Street as underscore well. podcast. That's it. And um, if you want to email us, you can. Mychickstreet at gmail.com. The end. All right. Who you got? Who are you going to tell me about today? It's a little bit of a long one. Today, I'm talking about Elizabeth Smith Friedman. Have you heard of her? Nope. Okay. Well, she was often referred to as the wife of William Friedman. Okay. Have you heard of him? Mm. You wouldn't have. No. He was a US Army cryptographer who ran the research research division of the Army's Signal Intelligence Service in the 1930s. I already know where this is going to go. Okay, so that's what he's known for, and she was often known as his wife. I'd just like to talk about her. Now, Elizabeth, and it's spelt Elizabeth. Okay. Okay, just so you know that. To It's not Elizabeth. It's Elizabeth. She enjoyed many successes in cryptology in her own right and has been dubbed America's first female cryptanalyst. No, cryptanalyst. 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 No, just cryptanalyst. And sorry, I'm going to say that a few times. I apologise right now for all of the fuckeries that I'm going to make. I'm looking forward to them. In, it's taken me like so long to try to say it that I'm yeah. still, I still can't get it right. Because you know when you get in your own head you? yeah, and you're just yeah. like, it's more simple. Be simple. It's okay. Yeah, we'll talk anyway. you through it. It's in fine. fact, her, although her husband is credited with the numerous contributions to cryptology, it was Mrs. Friedman who introduced him to the field. Okay, so she was born in 1892 to John Smith, a Quaker dairyman, a banker and a politician. Mm-hmm. And Sofa, her name was Sofa, her Sofa. mum, Sofa Strock Smith. Mrs. Friedman was the youngest of nine children. The special spelling of a name is attributed to her mother who held a strong passion against Elizabeth being called Eliza. Is that the 1800s version of like, you know, us fucking up kids' names? And totally. This is where it started. Spe- <laughs> spelling. I know that's one of your favourite games oh. to play. Guess yeah, the spelling. so annoying. Well, Elizabeth has often different spellings because of European spellings with an S and the English spellings with a Z. But, of course, American had to to take a step further and go, you know what I'm going to do, Cletus? Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to spell it with So she never gets Eliza. Love it. So she gets Elizabeth. She was energetic. She was impatient and at best strongly opinionated with a disdain for stupidity. She is known to have been a hairdresser, a seamstress, a fashion consultant whose talents were often exploited by her friends. After briefly attending Wooster College yeah. in Ohio, she graduated from Hill, Hillsdale College in Michigan with a major in English literature. English. In, 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 English lit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Having exhibited her interest in language, she also studied Latin, Greek and German and minored in a great many other things. Only she and one other sibling were privileged to attend college. Prior to her employment with the Newbury Research Library in Chicago, she was a high school principal for at least a year. A great Shakespeare enthusiast, she was probably attracted to Newbury because of an original Shakespeare folio known to be there. In 1916, while working at Newbury, she was recruited by George Fabian to work on his 500-acre estate at Riverbank, his private think tank. The librarian who in... Private think tank? What was he thinking? Oh, I don't know, but it was a whole tank full. The librarian who interviewed Mrs. Friedman on her first day is credited with having made a phone call to Colonel Fabian that would change the then Miss Smith's life forever. The librarian conveyed in her telephone conversation Smith's love for Shakespeare, among other things. Colonel Fabian, a wealthy textile merchant, soon met Miss Smith and they discussed what life would be like at Riverbank, Fabian's great estate located in Geneva, Illinois. He told Miss Smith she would assist a Boston woman, Elizabeth Wells Gallup, and her sister with Gallup's attempt to prove that Sir Francis Bacon had authored Bacon Bacon mm. had mm. authored Shakespeare's plays and sonnets using a cipher that was supposed to have been con- captioned within. What? I don't Say know. that again. Yeah. She was to attempt to prove that Sir Francis Bacon had authored Shakespeare's plays and sonnets. Kevin u- Bacon authored the plays <laughs> and sonnets. Yep, using a cipher that was supposed to have been contained within. Do you want to know what a cipher is? Like a decoding something. Yes. Yeah, you're right. So like the it's the information that may be given in cipher code, secret writing, coded message, cryptograph, cryptogram. Okay. So, so he was saying that there Shakespeare had a secret code in his writings. Well, that someone else wrote it. Right. And it's in there. At Riverbank, Miss Smith joined a versatile and distinguished staff. There were typists, translators, a graduate student in genetics, and professionals specialising in acoustics engineering. Riverbank was one of the first such facilities to promote cryptology and other subjects. Through the work of the Freedmans, much historical information on secret writing was gathered. Up until the creation of the Army's Cipher Bureau, Riverbank was the only facility capable of exploiting and solving enciphered messages. Counted among the staff of 15 at Riverbank was the man Miss Smith would marry in May 1917, William Friedman. The newlyweds worked together for the next four years or so in the only cryptologic laboratory in the country at the time. In 1921, Mr. and Mrs. Friedman moved to Washington, D.C. to work for the War Department. Mrs. Friedman's employment as a cryptanalyst for the U.S. Navy followed in 1923, which led to her subsequent positions with the U.S. Treasury Department's Bureau of Prohibition and Bureau of Customs. The net result of her career is quite significant and embraces cryptology against international smuggling and drug running in various parts of the world. The smugglers and runners resorted to radio and encoded messages to conduct their operations, presumably with a great sense of security. 
This, mm. however, became I a thought mis- it was WhatsApp encrypted <laughs> with WhatsApp. Yeah. their own their own version. Well, this this how is it, in the twenties, right? This is in yeah yeah twenties now. This, so, yeah. however, became a mistaken notion after Mrs. Friedman came to Washington. A more detailed account of her cryptology contributions has been presented in previous almanac article which I don't have well I do but it's long I love that word almanac it is a good word isn't it Mm. it always makes me think of back to the future remember the almanac the sports almanac that he gets the uh the scores from and if he has the right score he could have made a million I think it was in the third one no the second one anyway during the post-world war ii period Mrs. Freeman became a, became a consultant too and created communications security systems for the International Monetary Fund. Longtime Shakespeare enthusiasts, Mrs. Friedman and her husband, after retirement from government service, collaborated on a book entitled The Shakespearean Ciphers Examined. It won awards for the Folger Shakespeare Library and the American Shakespeare Theatre and Academy. In the book, the Freedmans dismissed Baconians, they call them. Baconians. Baconians, such as Mrs. Gallup and Ignatius Connolly, with such technical proficiency and finesse that the book won far more acclaim than others addressing the same topic. The work that Gallup had done earlier operated on two assumptions. One was that Bacon invented a biliteral cipher and that the cipher used in the original printed Shakespeare folios employed an odd variety of typefaces. Mm -hmm. The Freedmans, however, in a classic demonstration of their life's work, buried Freedmans. Yeah, classic Freedmans. (laughs) They buried a hidden Baconian cipher on a page in their publication. It was italicized. It was an italicized phrase, which that's so meta. I know. Which, using the different typefaces, expressed their final assessment of the controversy. It said, "I did not write the plays." F. Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> their book is regarded that's as the brilliant. definitive work, if not the final word, on the subject. Wow. Okay, so following her husband's death in 1969, Mrs. Friedman devoted much of retirement life to compiling a library and bibliography of William's work, this most extensive private collection of cryptologic material in the world would finally be prepared for the George C. Marshall Research Library in Lexington, Virginia. Elizabeth, as evidenced by the life she led, was truly a legend in her own time. Our office doesn't make them, we only break them, uttered Elizabeth to a representative of a code-building company who came to sell his wares and to tout their precious worth and break them she did many times over, many years against many targets. Quite admirably, she did all of this without the aid of calculators or computers and with only a basic background in maths. Her successes led to the conviction of many violators of the Volstead Act during Prohibition years. While the 18th Amendment of 1919 forbade the manufacture, sale, import, export of intoxicating liquors, the Volstead Act forbade the consumption of such beverages. Prevailing conditions during those days, however, encouraged illegal activity. 
Further, as radio equipment became less cumbersome, less conspicuous and more sophisticated, it afforded the criminal element another means to circumvent the law. To avoid taxes, etc., criminals smuggled liquor and, to a lesser degree, narcotics, perfume, jewels and even pinto beans. <laughs> pinto you know, beans? You know what them pinto beans Ooh. are like. Related and ciphered communications were passed by persistent anti-prohibitionists to protect their operations, which, you know, I'm on their side really, but that's not what we're here for. Anti-prohibitionists provided Mrs. Friedman and her team of cryptanalysis analysts with innumerable opportunities to hone their cryptanalytic code-breaking skills during her employment with the U.S. Treasury Department. She led the cryptanalytic to, oh, fuck it. She led that department effort against international smuggling and drug running radio and encoded messages, which the runners began to use extensively to conduct their illegal operations. Even though early codes were very basic, their subsequent change in complexity and resistance to solution was predicted on the financial success and growth of the operation. The extent of the sophistication seemed to pose no problem for her. Wow, she still she must mounted have been so smart. So smart. She still mounted successful attacks against both the simple substitutions and transpositions and the more complex and ciphered codes which eventually came into use. While working for the Coast Guard and the Bureau of Foreign Control during Prohibition era, she solved over 12,000 rum runners messages. Mrs. Friedman also perceived the need for a more dedicated effort against suspected communications. By 1931, she'd convinced Congress of the need to create a headquartered seven-man cryptanalytic section for this purpose. As her cryptanalytic responsibilities Mm -hmm. began to mount, Mrs. Friedman sensed the need to teach other analysts cryptanalytic fundamentals including deciphering techniques this allowed her ample time to attack the more atypical new systems as they cropped up and expedite the entire process from initial analysis through to solution it also allowed her to stay one step ahead of the smugglers in addition to her cryptanalytic successes, she was often called to testify in cases against accused parties. The messages that she deciphered and decoded enabled her to implicate several smugglers in operating in the Gulf of Mexico on the Pacific Coast. She subsequently testified in cases in Galveston and Houston, New Orleans, Louisiana. Her efforts in 33 resulted in convictions against 35 bootlegging ringleaders who were found to have violated the Volstead Act. Ringleaders were directly linked with suspected vessels as a result of the information. The next year she played a major role in settling a dispute between the Canadian and the US governments over the true ownership of a sailing vessel called I'm Alone. It was flying the Canadian flag when it was sunk by a US Coast Guard cutter for failing to heed a heave to and be searched signal. The Canadian government filed a $350,000 suit against the US, but the intelligence gleaned from the 23 messages decoded by Mrs. Friedman, indicated U.S. ownership just as the U.S. had originally suspected. Oh, wow. As a consequence, the owner of the ship was identified and captured. 
obviously impressed with her work, the Canadian government sought her out for her help in their 1937 opium dealer problem, <laughs> which evolved into an outstanding She's amazing. Jesus. She complied and eventually testified in the trial of Gordon Lim and other several other Chinese. Her solution to a complicated unknown Chinese enciphered code, in spite of her unfamiliarity with the language. And I was going to say, yeah, when you said Chinese. before, I was like, is she speaking Spanish? Like, how does yeah. she know? I don't know. She was key to the to the successful convictions. Finally, Mrs. Friedman left her mark on the life of one of the of espionage's most notorious spies, Velvalee Dix Dickinson, whose path to and role in espionage are noteworthy. Following high school and some college, Velvalee married the head of a brokerage firm that had Japanese American clients. The Dickinsons' interest in Japan grew so much that they joined the Japanese American Society, where they began to rub shoulders with members of the Japanese consulate. When the brokerage firm's success suffered a downturn, so did the Dickinsons' role in proponents of good Japanese-American relations. At some point, the couple became spies for Japan. Velva Lee became a major player. And her successful doll shop was a cover-up for her espionage. Known as the Doll Woman, she corresponded with Japanese agents using the names of women she found in her business correspondence. This would be her downfall. Her correspondence. Like Lee. I love that name. I love oh. her. Her correspondence, which contained encoded material addressing significant naval vessel movement in Pearl Harbour, was analysed and solved by who? Mrs Friedman. old mate. This analysis resulted in a guilty verdict against Velvalee. Although Mm. Mrs Friedman worked closely with her husband, William, as a part of a team, many of her contributions to cryptology were unique. She deciphered many encoded messages throughout the Prohibition years and solved many notable cases single-handedly, including some codes which were written in Mandarin Chinese. As has been determined, the complexity or difficulty mattered not. After 50 years at her business, Elizabeth Smith Friedman had indeed proved to be a pioneer in code-breaking. Wow. To further commemorate the contributions of the Freedmen, NSA's OPS-1 building was dedicated as the William and Elizabeth Freedman Building during the agency's 50th anniversary commemoration in 2002. Elizabeth Freedman, wife, mother, writer, Shakespeare enthusiast, crypt analyst. Oh, almost. Give it another go. Nellist. Cryptanalyst. Cryptanalyst. Yes. Yeah. you say it. Cryptanalyst. Cryptanalyst and pioneer in US cryptology. She died on the 31st of October 1980 in Plainfield, Jersey at the age of 88. Wow. I wonder if she had anything to do with the Zodiac Killer. <gasps> well, was that before 80? Yeah. It was yeah, that was 70. like in the... Yeah, it was 
it was, is it, so, was it the 70s? Yeah. Um, well, that's incredible. And, yeah, the fact that she just didn't even speak the language. To, I wonder how, I just, I'd love to know the process. Like how do you even start to solve a code? Like, it would, I Is guess, it like Sudoku? See, I'm shit at all those kinds of like brain teasers. I hate any of that stuff. I'm like, I like my mum was very good at those kind of things. I don't have the tenacity. I get very bored very quickly oh, if I feel like I'm being beaten in some way. <laughs> I like them. I've got the patience for them. I could. I've actually got um, a riddle, and I've mm. been sitting on it since. 2001 I think or 2002 I'm still figure I still think about it and I'll figure it out one day I just haven't figured it out what but is it it goes a man leaves his home he turns right turns right turns right again and he's home where is he god it's gonna keep me up at night now 20 years I've been thinking about that riddle. I'm sorry, listeners, because. Now you've got it in your head. If you know the answer. Yeah, yeah let us know. Find us. Well, another great episode, done and dusted. Uh, I mean, you know, so we say. So <laughs> we knows? say. You tell us. Rate <laughs> yeah. us five stars, no less. Subscribe to us. You know what? It's about to come on the, the pre-recorded stuff, so enjoy that. We love you and goodbye. Look at you, you've got to the end. So if you're still listening, I'm just going to give you a few little credity bits. Executive producers of this podcast is me, Evie Jones, and of course, Annie Potatoes. But we've also got Sam Peterson. He's our producer, our editor, our wine boy, our whipping boy. He does everything. And he's also got a great podcast called Confessions of the Idiots. You know, if you all listen to us... We appreciate you. Follow us on Instagram at chickstreet underscore podcast and you can email us at mychickstreet at gmail.com. <laughs>